I'm Megan Bob, and I'm here to understand the mysteries of wrestling. And I'm Miles, and I'm here to help with the aid of my favorite wrestling show. This is The Next Wrestling Fan, an NXT review podcast for would-be wrestling fans who don't know where to start. And current wrestling fans who want to relive the magic of that first time. This week... We get stuck in the doorway on our way to cover the episode of NXT that originally aired on July 10th, Yay! 2014. In this episode, Natalia finally helps Tyson Kidd win a match. Mm. Not, you know, on purpose, but she does. Yikes. Welcome to episode 60 of The Next Wrestling Fan. 60! Man, are we are so close to getting our AARP card for this podcast. A podcast of fights and feels. Last episode, there were friendships and the end of friendships and relationships and weird things happening in relationships. There were a great many feels to be had. Uh, this episode is somewhat heavier on the fights, uh, though we still have tons and tons and tons of interpersonal drama to discuss. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure we'll get into all of that in depth in Bob's Breakdown. We will then transition into the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Hear a morally gray fanfic from Megan Bob. Mm-hmm. And delve once again into Women's Wrestling History of the Week before closing things out with the cheap pop quiz. But first... It's time to get the answers to last episode's Cheap Pop Quiz. It is a clean slate for Bob here, who is back to needing 10 points on this fifth round of quizzing. Let's see how they did out of the gate. I don't have a great feeling about it, but that's fine. Okay. Question number one. Next episode features the return of a crucial character in NXT history, the evil mirror in the women's locker room. Which wrestlers are staring into it this time around? Was it A, Sasha Banks, sitting in front of the mirror with Summer Rae standing behind her, just like last time? B, Summer, sitting in front of the mirror with Sasha standing behind her in a poetic reversal of the last time? C, Charlotte, sitting in front of the mirror with Summer Rae standing behind her, talking about taking Charlotte's title? D, Bailey, sitting in front of the mirror with Charlotte standing behind her, talking about their history? Or E, Becky Lynch sitting in front of the mirror with Sasha standing behind her, trying to turn her heel. Bob, you went with that one, the Becky Lynch one. Mm. That unfortunately was incorrect. The correct answer was B, Summer was in front of the mirror, Sasha behind her, poetic reversal of last time. I'm sure we will get into it. Question number two. Next episode also features the continuation of the scorching hot feud between CJ Parker and Xavier Woods. What dastardly deed does Parker commit this time? A, he invites Woods out to the ring, but when Woods doesn't show up, Parker starts laughing and the camera crew discovers an unconscious Woods backstage. B, he invites Woods out to the ring, but then just immediately hits him with the third eye palm strike. C, he invites Woods out to the ring and tries to goad Woods into a fight when Woods doesn't take the bait. Parker hits him with the third eye palm strike. D. He invites Woods out to the ring, apologizes for his behavior last week, and offers Woods a handshake 
and a truce. Woods shakes his hand, turns to leave, at which point Parker, that treacherous hippie, kicks him in the back of the head. Or E, he invites Woods out to the ring, apologizes for his behavior last week, and offers Woods a handshake and a truce. Woods declines by making rude hand gestures at Parker, rude and very weird hand gestures, <laughs> and then turns to leave, at which point Parker kicks him in the back of the head. Bob, you were very close with this one. Mm. You saw the apology coming. You saw the offer of a handshake coming. However, you made the mistake, one crucial mistake. Oh, yes. Of thinking that a wrestling babyface would act like a good and honorable person. Mmm, I was a fool. Yeah, so you went with D. The correct answer is actually E. Parker didn't do anything. Woods was a dick. We'll talk about it. And question number three. Finally, next episode features the debut of a brand new NXT referee who used to be an independent wrestler. Which of the following things is true about him? A. He was trained by Claudio Castagnoli, a.k.a. Cesaro. B, he was in a tag team with Eddie Kingston in a promotion called Combat Zone Wrestling, but they never won the tag team championship. C, he was a vocal detractor of hardcore wrestling who famously refused to bleed in his matches or do any spots with weapons. D, he's an insane QAnon promoter who got fired from WWE in 2021 after going on anti-mask rants at public school board meetings, yelling at wrestlers for getting vaccines and flu shots, and using his corporate WWE email to coordinate efforts to save the children from the evil, blood-sucking Democrat cabal. Or E, all of the above. Mm. Bob, I hung that tasty carrot out there for you. You did. And you grabbed it. Nom, nom, nom. You said all of the above. That is incorrect. Okay. In the original version of this question, it was going to be the correct answer, and I changed it. Oh. I wrote a version of this question where everything was true, and then I changed it just a little bit. So, Drake Younger, a.k.a. Drake Wirtz, the referee in question, was trained by Chris Hero, not Cesaro. Oh, of course. He was in a tag team with Eddie Kingston in Combat Zone Wrestling, but they did win the championship. Mmm. He was far from a vocal detractor of hardcore wrestling. He's an insane person who bleeds all the time and does all kinds of crazy shit. Ah. However, the correct answer was D. He is an insane QAnon promoter. Mmm. He did go on anti-mask rants at public school board meetings and yell at wrestlers for getting flu shots, and use his corporate email to attempt to coordinate Save the Children efforts because he is that brand of crazy. So mm. that is Drake Younger, a.k.a. Drake Words for you. And I was very happy to hear that my clever ploy worked. <laughs> Yay. He's fired now, right? He is fired. He is absolutely fucking gone. Yay. He's not out of our lives. We're going to be seeing him for years. Well, fair enough. But I mean, he's not getting a paycheck at the moment from WWE. That's correct. And I'll take that. So your instinct was correct, Bob. No points on this one. But you will have another opportunity at the end of this episode. But now it's time for the official beginning of this episode. It is time for Bob's Breakdown. Our commentary team is Renee Young, Rich Brennan, and Jason Albert. Eh. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Eh. Match one opens with some uncomfortable bullshit on the part of Jason Albert begging Renee for a hug. Oh my God, does it ever. <laughs> and then saying girls can't be friends. Again. And I'm like, what the 
fuck is your actual problem, sir? You talked about how the commentary was fine, and then I was like, yeah, I guess it was fine. And then you reminded me of that, and I was like, oh, wait, no, actually, it wasn't fine. It was bad. It wasn't bad all the way through, but that was just like... What year are we in? Stop it. And I know that the WWE operates like on a 10 year lag from the rest of humanity. At least. But still. Thankfully, we can wash that out of our collective hair because it's Bailey. And last time we did not bother to learn the names of the wacky waving tube guys. Mm -hmm. However, I, because I am an actual hero, (laughs) went back. And according to a very gleeful Tom Phillips. Okay. They are... Lala, Bruno, Azoria, no, Azoria, apologies, and Sydney. So. Lala, Bruno, Azoria, and Sydney. Okay. I would love to know which one is which, but I suspect we're never finding out that information. No, but the more you know. Do, 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 do. I really enjoy, like, the humanization of the two men by learning their names. Oh, yes. Because I know that years from now, when Bailey turns heel, she's going to stab them and de-inflate them. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh, no, not these NPCs we've come to love. Not Azaria, no. (laughs) Not like this. All right, next out, it's Summer Rae. And as things get underway, the audience firmly on Bailey's side. And I was very proud of Bailey who roughs up Summer Rae and throws her into the turnbuckles in an ungentlemanly fashion. Turnbuckle. Turnbuckle. Mm, it's been too long. It has. Bailey gets Summer Rae down and does the slip and slide on Summer Rae's back. One more time, demands the crowd. <laughs> Bailey kindly obliges and does that doggy paddle in another circle. Summer Rae does the old get outside the ring and then get back in and Bailey pursues. That's when Summer Rae strikes. Classic. And then we see backstage, Charlotte is taking in the match on the TV, studying her opponents, watching tape. (laughs) It's very important. Also, Charlotte was not watching at a bizarre, inhuman angle. Charlotte was watching TV like a normal person. And I was sort of like, oh, that's weird. We don't (laughs) normally get that. So, guys, you're not going to be surprised, but Summer Rae is being really mean. Mm. It's a lot of Gumby stretches using those long legs to force Bailey into uncomfortable positions. And what is Summer Rae, if not a sexy reboot of Gumby? That's actually weirdly accurate. I know. You don't see it. And then once Summer Rae does the thing, you're like, this is weird. Yeah. And I have uncomfortable and complicated feelings about it. She's wearing green, too, which even makes it stronger. Mm. Yeah. I know. Things to think about. So Bailey is able to take control again in the crowd chants. Bailey's gonna hug you. A new chant, Miles. A new chant. Yeah, so this is actually a derivative chant. I don't know if what I'm about to say is the original version of it, but the first one I heard was for Samoa Joe on the indies. Aww. The crowd used to chant was, Joe's gonna kill you. Joe's gonna kill you. Yes. And so now this crowd has determined that Bailey, in fact, is going to hug you. And it's delightful. That's amazing. Is that chant gonna stick around? I think so. It's such a good chant. It should stay forever. I mean, until Bailey heals out. But yes. Bailey heals out on the main roster, so it's not gonna be something we have to deal with. Bailey gets a a wide variety of chants thrown her way over the years and i'm excited to get to more of them yay so bailey does a spinning leap at summer ray flooring her but summer answers with the summer crush Mm. where she slings a leg over her opponent's middle like she's mounting a horse and then smash crushes them 
one, two, three, Summer Rae is the winner and will be the person that faces Charlotte. Now we go backstage and we're going to go backstage a lot. Yeah, there are a lot of backstage segments in this one. I love all of them. So I was like, this is great. Yeah. Backstage, Sami Zayn and Adrian Neville are the fucking cutest thing in the universe. (laughs) Neville saying, shameful, mate, shameful. As though scolding Gabriel and kid. It's just the best. Sami Zayn is pissed. And this isn't the last they've heard of these two. So I hope you're happy, Justin Gabriel and Tyson Kidd. The whole goddamn Shire is pissed at you now. Right. Backstage, Justin Gabriel, what were you thinking? I decided not to be a loser. The NXT people are good, but they're not as talented as me. And they're not as hot as me. Kidd starts to interrupt. Gabriel silences him. Sometimes to get ahead, you just have to break some rules. He walks off. Devin turns to Kidd, who has the opportunity to talk now, then holds up a finger like, not today, Devin, and then leaves. I was like, interesting. Kid during the segment, watch this promo again, but just watch Tyson Kid the whole time. It's hilarious. I love what he's doing with his face and his hands. Ooh, okay. I wanted to ask, Miles, what did these two very different styles of backstage packages say to you as a learned wrestleman? Well, I mean, you know, there are two different things. Obviously, the first one between Sammy and Neville, I believe, was meant to be... It's a thing that happened that was recorded on the previous episode. So that was meant to be from right after the attack from Kid and Gabriel on Sammy and the subsequent save from Neville. Okay. So it was very much you know, like an instant reaction, which I thought was fun and, and very baby facey, right? Like it's sort of Neville and Sammy being like, oh, these guys, oh, I can't believe they did that out there. We're going to get them. <laughs> Whereas the heel promo is, you know, like an interview with Devin, not just an interview with a random camera guy. Very much reads like something that Justin Gabriel had like practiced in front of a mirror beforehand. Mm-hmm. There's a dynamic there between between the faces being passionate and truthful and honest and the heels being sort of insincere and scripted. And Tyson, that's kind of his whole character right now is being insincere. (laughs) I think it speaks to that in terms of sort of the face heel dynamics. It does a really great job of setting up the tag team match, which is our main event. And I just love Tyson in this promo. Like, I really think that Tyson Kidd is like, he's not a good actor. No, no. But he's doing good work. Yes. And I don't entirely understand it. He's Bo Dallasing, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, he's Bo Dallasing a little bit. He's kind of walked into the Bo Dallas void. He can't fill it yet. He's not there. No. But he's the person making an effort to stand in those very large, many tentacled shoes. Yes. Well, now it's match two and our beloved luchador, Sin Cara, and he's fighting Wesley Blake and the crowd is stupid and they're chanting for Blake because they don't get why luchadors rule. Mm hmm. Yes. Sincata does some pretzel pins tangling sensually in a spaghetti bowl of limbs. <laughs> Episode title. I know. Look, metaphors are hard. I sort of put that out there. There's a reason why not everybody is a published fucking writer, okay? <laughs> so on the outside, Blake takes a leap through the ropes from Sincata. And Blake takes the advice from Albert on commentary and slows the match down with some holds. You know... The thrilling shit. And I'm like, is this what you were fucking cheering for, NXT Universe? Is this what you wanted? Because now you have it. Congratulations. <laughs> I know I'm very bitter about this shit. Yeah, that's fine. Cicado was bored, though, and he escapes and begins a series of aerial moves. So a leap back, a spinning leap back, the fucking handstand bounce into a head bonk on Blake. 
and then up to the corner to deliver the barest caress of his head because he lightly somersaults onto Blake. Like if someone (laughs) at Olive Garden asks how much Parmesan you wanted and you were a monster who only wanted like a tablespoon of it. That is how lightly dusted with somersault Blake is. But it's enough. And scene kind of pins him for the win. I love that a senton is often like, because you would actually legitimately hurt somebody if you did a senton as though you were really trying to do it. But there's a fine line there in terms of the belief suspenders of how much contact you are making. And obviously the safest option is to graze them with your head, the back of your head, whenever you do the somersault. It looks like nothing though. Yeah. It's hard to swing, and this was swung poorly, I would say. It's beautiful to look at. It does not hold up any belief suspenders. My belief pants are falling off. (laughs) Yeah, not the only move on this episode where I'm like, well, that was clearly supposed to, you know, hit. (laughs) Backstage, marital strife. Mm. Tyson gives a terrific non-apology for throwing Natty under the bus. So good. In the quote-unquote ambush interview with Renee. I can't describe to you how effervescent with passive aggressiveness it is. You should just go watch it. It's amazing. Natty says she doesn't like his attitude and she doesn't want to be a part of it, even though she loves him a whole lot. Tyson makes it sound like Natty is pouting And says then she can just stay backstage and hang out by herself if that sounds like more fun than coming to the ring with him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fucking yikes. Oh, I think all of us have been there. And that's what's so painful about it is like, yeah, I have been both of these people and I hated it both times. Which is a thing we've said about Tyson, Kid and Natalia before. Like, it's so. Yes. Relatable. It's almost enhanced by the fact that neither of them are very good actors in a weird way. Yeah. (laughs) Because like you get this sense of like awkwardness that exists in a real conversation like this. Yes, because you're both going what the fuck is the other person doing? Or you're Mm -hmm. like trying to get out of it or you're trying to understand and you just don't want it to be like this. These things, man, it is painful and it's high schadenfreude, but almost schadenfreude about yourself in some way, which is the worst kind. I can't take much more of this. I can't watch Marriage Story, you know what I mean? But I can watch this. Oh, fuck no. I'm never watching. Why would I watch somebody have a fight that's horrible? I don't get that. Yeah. What do you not have in your personal life that you need to watch this? Like, (laughs) I have enough drama in my life about, like, remembering which one of us it's time to clean up the backyard. Right, exactly. Even that low level of like, I thought it was your turn. I thought it was your turn. And that's plenty for me. I'm good. In wrestling, I think it works so well because Tyson has turned heel at this point, but he's like still trying to convince Natalia that he has it and she's still not quite getting it. It's just, it's beautiful. Basically, Natty is the best wife in the universe, and I want to marry her. She's incredible. I think that's the takeaway here, is we should all want to marry Natalia. And I do. Look, I'm married and I'm very happily married, but like... Same. I could still have the greatest wife in the universe. 
like also maybe i know how sharon feels about natalia and i'm pretty sure it would work out i could convince her to yeah like i'm pretty sure we could make that work oh yeah man she's so great Anyway, backstage still, the mirror has returned. (laughs) Summer Rae is sitting in front of it, telling Sasha to get ready to be a sidekick because it's the summer of summer. Deal with it. Sasha does not look like she's terribly convinced that that's what's going to happen. So I'm very curious to see how this plays out. I have thoughts, but I don't know how evil Sasha is at the moment like Mm -hmm. is she turning even more evil maybe she's going to spoil this match for Summer Rae maybe she's going to spoil the match for Charlotte because she thinks Summer Rae would be easier to beat I don't know but I think Sasha is going to come into play in some fashion she's gonna get involved somehow sure I think I mean it would make sense the storyline is about the three of them breaking up if they don't do that and they have Sasha just being kind of casually, oh, we'll see what happens. And then they're like, oh, nothing happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, that wouldn't be beyond NXT to have that. Absolutely not. You know that no DQ match where it never fucking comes up. <laughs> oh, you mean both of them? <laughs> In ring, something. CJ Parker comes to the ring to apologize for getting mouthy about Xavier Woods. It's honestly a better apology than Kid's apology in some ways. Yeah, much better. It's, it's like a lot better. I know, right? Renee is on the side of CJ Parker about the environment because she's not a fucking idiot. And I love that she's like, oh, no, I get that he's the heel. He's right, though. Mm -hmm. Fuck yes, Renee. And everybody else is like, well, he doesn't have to jam it down our throats. And I'm like, oh, what? Truth? That's the problem here? Ah, fucking WWE. Silent Spring came out in the 60s. Apparently we do have to jam it down your throat, actually. Oh, man. Love you, Rachel Carson. So Xavier Woods comes out in a suit to receive his apology, looking fucking tremendous. Yeah, he really does. Xavier Woods takes him to school, dunks on him very hard. But Parker says that he came here to offer peace and does the peace sign. Woods... Peace signs back sarcastically right into Parker's face and then walks away only to be kicked in the back of the head by Parker. And that wasn't a very face thing to do. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, but Parker's been really shitty. So I kind of get it. But more than that, the audience 30% cares about any of this. That's about the percentage they're operating at, and it is weird to watch. Well, you know what? I'm among that 30%. We'll get to it later. Ooh. But definitely, this was another instance of, yes, Parker kicked Xavier Woods at the back of the head, if you mean that his shin grazed the top of Xavier Woods' afro. Oh, well, sometimes whenever your hair gets lightly touched, it feels really gross. That's true. That's a good point. I would stay down. We refer to it as, like, just being haunted. Like if somebody just gently haunts your hair and you're like, Mm. ah, get the fuck away. I mean, I don't think it would destroy me as it did Woods, but I don't know. I don't have fluffy enough hair. Well, it's kind of fluffy. I don't know. Maybe I should ask to be haunted and find out. Maybe I will collapse to the mat. This will be your next homework assignment. You figured out the names of the two men. So now tell us what happens when somebody haunts your hair. Yes. Oh, man. If you ever had somebody haunt your arm hair, the fucking worst. You might as well have poured a bucket of spiders on me, bastard. What are you doing? I'm the weird kind of person who likes that kind of thing. Backstage, a black and white package of the villains as they try to get out of a doorway at the exact <laughs> same time, get stuck, and then they figure it out. And it's very cute. They talk about becoming the greatest tag team in the land. 
And the audio does not line up with the video. And I fucking love it. And it's that janky camera and it's got like the marks on it because it's, you know, old footage Mm -hmm. has a lot of like decay. And they do proud villain laughs, but they're proud villain laughs. They're such goofus laughs. (laughs) 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 And oh, it's tremendous. I'm so happy. Yay. Uh, Every time they're on screen, the show just gets like... 200% 200% better. Absolutely. Commentary reminds us that they'll have to defeat the Ascension and we get a retrospective of their victory over literally several people. <laughs> They've beaten not even tens of people. The Ascension has run through the entire tag division. Because you can't say like tens of whatever. It is like ones of whatever. Entire ones. Yeah. Entire ones of people. Ones of folks. So tremendous. Match three. Bull Dempsey stalks to the ring and he's coming up against Angelo Dawkins, who we fucking love. Yes. Ding, ding, ding. Lock up and then some takedowns using the lockups and then more lockups. Bull pushes Dawkins into the ropes for an Irish whip and Dawkins leaps like a fucking picture perfect Lisa Frank dolphin over Bull Dempsey into the sunset flip. Yeah. Getting him or while trying to get him down on the mat. Bull Dempsey responds by crashing his weight down onto Dawkins' chest, which I thought was a very effective move. Mm -hmm. Dempsey then elbow drops him, and then like he's rolling out cookie dough using his forearm, he just smashes Dawkins' face. Mm -hmm. The most important part of this match, though, (gasps) Dawkins does that fucking gorgeous drop kick that is approximately a 12 out of 10. Yep. You love to see it. Beautiful. It's not enough, though. Dempsey power slams Dawkins and pins him. Then he gets on the mic for his best Eddie Kingston impression. And if I'm not looking at the screen, though, he almost has the voice down. He is 85% of the way there. He's working on it. That's for sure. He's practicing in front of the evil mirror backstage. (laughs) Backstage again? We get more Sami Zayn and Neville. And I was like, oh, my God, two desserts. This is amazing. (laughs) Sami Zayn is pretending to be Devin Taylor. It's so Fucking cute. Yeah, right. He's here to interview Neville about why he helped Sami Zayn. You know, because they go way back and he'll always have Zayn's back. But what's next? Well, giving the mic back to Devin and beating the asses of Kid and Gabriel. And Sammy tosses the mic to Devin, who catches it. Great catch by her part. I was so proud. Yeah. And gives them a look like, what the heck is happening here? And I'm like, it's the <laughs> Zayn and Neville show now. There's just a lot of backstage segments of this one. With a smattering of matches. Main event. Everyone comes out. And then finally, Kid comes out with Natty as the audience cheers for her rather than Tyson. Mm-hmm. And now it is time for Lady Whistledown's match report. Oh, yeah. Main event Lady Whistledown. I know. I thought it'd spoil us. The season has been full of tumult as various gentlemen of the ton have gotten themselves into rivalries that can only be settled by taking off one's evening gloves and entering the ring. The problem so often comes in the form of love. For Mr. Kidd, although enamored of his wife, Lady Natalia, seems to be intractably focused on victory in the ring rather than the victories of love and marriage. Mr. Neville and Mr. Kidd began their spar with a viciousness that told of their long-standing history as rivals. All credit to the friendship of Mr. Zane and Mr. Neville as they worked admirably together to weaken Mr. Kidd. 
Even when Mr. Kidd finds his way to tag his partner, Mr. Gabriel, the outcome is no better for these heelish gentlemen, as Mr. Neville does a corkscrew moonsault off of Mr. Zane's back with a perfection that would make the queen herself applaud. Kidd is once again tagged in, and Lady Natalia's concern for her husband as Mr. Kidd is given repeated blows is palpable. But perhaps she is worried for nothing, as Mr. Gabriel and Kidd caught Mr. Zane and gave him perfectly synchronized kicks to the head. Thankfully, the legendarily rakish good looks of Mr. Zane remain unharmed. <laughs> Needless to say, the spectacle when Mr. Neville is tagged in is considerable. His casual strength in powerbombing Mr. Gabriel made several ladies of the ton swoon. Unfortunately, he is foiled in one of his aerial maneuvers and takes a fall to the ring that had this rider gravely concerned. Kid and Zane are the legal men in this bout now, and Kid cruelly raked the face of Zane with his nails. He tossed Mr. Kid out of the ring, and as Mr. Neville and Gabriel were already gathered, Mr. Zane leapt out of the ring onto all of them, as is his frequent habit. Mr. Kid crawled to the corner to speak with his wife, Lady Natalia, who cooed in heartfelt concern for her husband's pain. <laughs> Indeed, she came up onto the apron to be closer to her beloved. That, dear reader, is when this bout entered its shocking final act. Mr. Zane struck Mr. Kid, who flew backwards into the ropes, knocking his wife, Lady Natalia, from the apron to the floor below. Both gentlemen stopped to see if the lady was seriously injured, and Mr. Kidd began to leave the ring to check, followed by Mr. Zane. Much to the shock of this writer, Mr. Kidd, instead of exiting the ring, waited until Mr. Zane was partially through the ropes, and then leapt upon him, pinning Mr. Zane in a small package to win the match. Yes, it is true. He chose before all the ton to see to his personal glory, before seeing to his own beautiful and loving wife. The bout ended with Mr. Gabriel and Kid declared the winners and Mr. Kid rushing to the side of his fallen wife to hold and comfort her. Lady Natalia seemed torn about these actions, but determined to show her love and support for the gentleman she wed, although clutching her shoulder in pain. Mr. Kid could not have been more excessive in his celebration, crying, I did it, to the assembled onlookers. Indeed, Mr. Kid, you did. Although what that means for the state of your marriage is something this writer will be watching with considerable interest. Yours truly, Lady Whistledown. I love it. I fucking love doing the Lady Whistledown matches. They're so much fun. They're fantastic. They're always fantastic, and I always enjoy when you do them. And this one that was, like, the perfect opportunity for it, because it was like... Right? This is the kind of shit that was happening. Personally, I thought, like... <laughs> I don't know. I love how noble Sammy is, but part of me was going, like... Dude, Natalia's a wrestler. Like, she's going to be fine. Like, don't don't take your eye off the ball. I know. I was kind of like, this is infantilizing to Natty. Natty is perfectly yeah. strong and capable of handling this. You don't yeah. have to baby her. It's pretty characteristic of how WWE treats women. Although I will say that this kind of storyline has played out in the same way with men as well. Where it's like, Aww. oh my god, my friend is getting hit on the side of the ring. I'm getting <laughs> distracted. You know what I mean? Well, thank you so much for that breakdown, Bob. What did you think of this episode as a whole? There was a lot of wrestling that I wasn't that interested in. Mm -hmm. But, oh my God, the drama playing out and everybody's relationships and personal gripes sort of bubbling to the surface. 
tremendous. It's not that the wrestling wasn't good or anything. I mean, there were like two kind of forgettable matches, but the relationship drama is on the boil now. And NXT is starting to pick up like multiple storylines at the same time instead of going like juggling a single ball and biffing it half the time. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, shit, you've got like two, maybe three. This is amazing. So I was pretty into this episode. I remain cautiously optimistic that they will keep an eye on this goddamn ball going forward, but we'll see. I was struck as I was watching this. I was like, man, I haven't seen Adam Rose in a fucking while, have I? Not since TakeOver, I don't think. Yeah, and so I was kind of like, huh, I wonder when that's going to happen. Adam Rose, the reason you haven't seen him in a while, Bob, is that he has actually debuted on the main roster. (gasps) So, oh my God, so soon? Okay. Yeah, they called him up really, really quick. They started airing like vignettes for him after WrestleMania. And by like May, he was on the main roster getting into arguments with like Jack Swagger and shit. So that is why you have not seen him recently is because he is already preparing to move up. Okay, well, but we have not rung the bell for him yet. So you will see him again. I know that it doesn't work out Mm -hmm. eventually that his gimmick doesn't translate to the main roster. But I hope that there is at least a period where it translates to the main roster. Okay, we'll find out at some point. With that, it is now time for the sights, sounds, and feels of pro wrestling. Megan Bob, for this episode, what did your elf eyes see? Bull Dempsey attempting to do a grimace. <laughs> I have a lot of empathy for anyone acting, but you have to accept that you have the face that you have and certain expressions aren't going to work on you and you have to try others to get that emotion across. As it stands, Dempsey's rage face makes him look like a gerbil with an axe to grind. (laughs) I am sorry. I am sorry you are trying your best and I am so sorry, but that is what you look like. He's not menacing. Yeah. Especially not in that outfit. No. Man, I just want to poke his belly button. I know. I just want to poke it and make him giggle. I just want to like brush his chest hair with like a little comb, like a horse. Fair enough. (laughs) I love that. You're like, well, that's weird. All right. (laughs) It is weird. Miles, what did your elf I see? While we're on the subject of the general ab region justin gabriel in that backstage interview oh my (laughs) that is a gorgeous man he's fucking hot he has very low riding pants and he very clearly shaves his pubes and that (laughs) that's what i have to say about that because i'm about half an inch away from seeing justin gabriel's dick and you know what i'm not upset about it yeah he is goddamn hot and he's wrestling for ring of honor right now and i like look just to see what he looks like now now he's like grizzled hot and i'm like fuck you're aging like the best wine ever (laughs) bob what did your vulcan ears hear okay i heard two things but the first one's very brief okay because it's just weird during the main event entrances you can hear one person clapping dutifully like dude yes yeah absolutely it's way too close to the mic And they did not edit it out at all. And I'm going to do an impression of it. That's what you hear during the almost entire entrances. And I'm like, 
what happened during editing? And I know that maybe it goes out live, but you'd still know that there's certain parts that you don't have to like have, but maybe it's picked up on one of the announcer's mics and they couldn't edit it. It doesn't go out live. They taped it ahead of time and they edit. So like and they I, just I said, ah, eh, fuck it. Yeah, I guess like because it was so distracting. And I, I think it was especially bad during Neville's entrance. Yes. Because um, I'm like, dude, uh, I'm trying to get into my fucking cool, awesome NXT champion here. I just hear the sound of one idiot clapping. <laughs> So the actual quote that I heard, Jason Albert and Renee going back and forth about Bull Dempsey. Mm-hmm. I don't think this man has had a lot of love in his life. Oh, my God. What do you mean? I don't think he's been hugged. I don't know. He's probably had a couple of deep embraces. I was like, Renee, is this just like sex headcanons you personally have about these people? Or because I'm like deep embrace. What the fuck? Are you, what are you imagining, Renee? And why will you not tell us more about it? I was enjoying it. And then she went weirdly fat shaming with it. Oh, did she? Yeah, she totally did. Because at one point she said something like, well, it looks like his mother loved him a lot or something like that, which I think was meant to be like, looks like he was well fed, you know? You know, I got that tone. It didn't bother me as much as fat shaming stuff normally does. I felt mm-hmm. a lot more genuine in some way than like just going, I'm being like clever. So I, I don't know. It did not touch that nerve for me. But I saw it. They also mentioned the hug discussion led them to talking about he needs to be in the ring with Bailey. And I was like, oh, my God, Bailey would kill him. Yeah. <laughs> Bailey would make him tap out so fast. So what did your Vulcaneers hear? There were a few options, but my Vulcaneers heard the crowd's reaction to Natalia. Mm. I love it when the NXT audience totally buys into the storyline and does their fucking part to do what the story is trying to do. And the story is about Tyson being upstaged by his wife and hating it, and about, like, being known as Natty's husband and hating it. And the second they come out, they start chanting, Natty, Natty, Natty. Yeah. And it's like, and the whole match, they're chanting Natty's husband at him. They're yes. chanting, we want Natty. It's just <sighs> fucking tremendous. Like, I love that the audience is like, we see what you're doing, and we're going to buy into it and actually help you tell the story. It's my favorite thing in wrestling. That's amazing. Yes, I completely agree. That was delightful. And whenever they started chanting, we want Natty, I was like, yeah, you do. Natty's great. All right, Bob, what did your human heart feel? The relationship between Zayn and Neville. It was I mean, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Both their backstage bits were charming as hell. They had this big bro energy, charisma. I just appreciate that they're both faces and they respect each other, even if they also do see each other's competition. Yeah. It is very shonen anime, like enormous shonen energy. This could have been an episode of My Hero Academia as far as I'm concerned. Awesome. What did your human heart feel? You know, as much as I don't like saying this, and I didn't think I would ever say it, really. Fuck you, Xavier Woods. Oh, (laughs) yeah. What the fuck is your problem? Legit, Parker calls you to the ring and delivers what I thought was a very sincere apology. For wrestling, pretty damn sincere. A very sincere apology. He says, I had just come back to action last week. I was kind of in my feelings. I was in my emotions. I said some things I didn't mean. I'm very sorry. Can we please leave it at that? And Woods blows into his hand. Yes. And then does the peace sign and like points at Parker's eyes. And uh, and I don't know what he was trying to convey, (laughs) but like it wasn't just rude. It was stupid rude. Mm. Like, what are you what are you even doing? 
And like, yeah, man, I might have kicked you in the back of the head, too. Like, what the? I'm sorry. I am all the way on CJ Parker's side of this feud. All the fucking way. You are being a dick, Xavier. And I know you can be better than that. Although, honestly, you're a best of the heel sometimes anyway. Not best of the heel, but like you're a really great heel when you're a heel. Aww. But like you're he's supposed to be a babyface in this situation. You're supposed to be getting me to cheer him. Yeah. And I'm like, why the fuck would I cheer this asshole? It was weird. I didn't get any of the emotions from it that I think they wanted me to get from it. Because I guess sometimes WWE thinks that being a face also means that you have to be cool. Oh my God. And I'm like, that's not what that means. I'm talking about all of this like I've never seen this shit from WWE before. And it's like, (laughs) oh, yeah, that's right. All the faces in WWE are like just complete pieces of shit. Like they're all just bad people. (laughs) Except for Sami Zayn and Bailey. Yeah, they're perfect. They're angels. That's right. Those were the sight, sounds and feels of pro wrestling. I want to hear your fanfic. But before we hear your fanfic, we have to give out awards. Yeah! It's time to give out the Lawrence Bolivier. Ah. <laughs> or is it the Borens Olivier? They're both good. I don't know if it's the Borens Olivier Award or the Lawrence Bolivier Award, but regardless, for excellent commitment to the bit, Bob, who gets your Lawrence Bolivier Award this week? I really do think Natalia is doing next level acting. Okay. She is fully communicating the range of emotions and it's basic it's not nuanced but they're all there from love disappointment frustration hurt confusion determination care betrayal she is doing sure. all of them and they come across clearly and it adds so much because in many ways she's the point of view character like you're experiencing Tyson's heel turn from Natty's point of view. Yeah, yeah. And so her doing all of that is, uh, I'm so, like, it's bad, but it's amazing. Right, right, right. Natty gets it. Who is getting your Borance Olivier Award? I'm giving it to Summer Ray. Really? Okay. I don't entirely know why, but I thought she did a really good job in the backstage with Sasha. Mm-hmm. And it's not that she, you know, she's a perfect actor or anything like that, but like the notes she's hitting, I feel like are all Mm -hmm. the right notes. Like, yeah, I am going to be champion and you are going to want to hang out with me again because in summer's mind, that's what like friendship is. Like you want (laughs) to hang out with the people who are on top. So obviously if she can become the champion, she will have friends again, which is a weirdly poignant thing. Mm. And then she ends the segment By complimenting Sasha's lipstick as she walks away, which I thought was a really interesting choice. It's like when you're drinking a wine and like at first you're like, oh, well, that's that's a red. That's pretty basic. That's a cab. You know what I mean? But then like you let it sit for a minute. You're like, oh, wow, actually, this is way more subtle than I thought it was. That's how I felt about Summer's backstage promo. You know, you're winning me over on this because there were five different notes that she hit during it that all added together to this interesting chord of okay, yes, it's a basic kind of character, but it is a great version of that basic character. Agreed. That's why she gets the award for me this week. Beautiful. All right, Bob. Well, it is now time to reward our audience with your fanfic explaining the wrestling term of the week from the last episode, which was tweener. This isn't funny, but I fucking love this shit. Okay. Hit me. 
Magneto executed a crisp power bomb on Apocalypse. Mm, the ultimate tweener, Magneto. Oh yeah, the ring shuddered with impact. The referee counted the three and Magneto stood up to the acclaim of the crowd. Acclaim suddenly turned to gasps. As Red Skull came in from behind and kicked him in the back of the knees, bringing him down, then delivering a sharp kick to the jaw. The crowd shouted abuse at Red Skull, who crowed over the fallen Magneto. You thought you could turn your back on your former allies like this? That you would get away with this? You're no true villain. Magneto wiped blood from his mouth. As if I'd ever seek the approval of a pathetic, short-sighted bigot like you. I'm surprised you're here and not licking your wounds after our last match. It's not like you to show such spine. You'll pay for that, Magneto, Red Skull hissed. And then a grim orchestral cover of Under the Sea began to play. <laughs> Red Skull turned slowly to the entrance ramp to see Namor holding the mic. <laughs> wearing his signature scale-covered tights, abs glinting under the stage lights. He spoke, The avenging son of Atlantis is hurt, Magneto, keeping Red Skull all to yourself like this, typical air breather. Keep out of this, Namor. We both know you bear Magneto no love. You will never be on his side. Go back to your dressing room and preen your little wings and let me handle this filthy mutant. Red Skull waved a dismissive hand. Namor's grin turned feral. Stupid land dweller. When it comes to Nazi scum like you, there is only one side, and it's the one that sees you dead. Is that not right, Magneto? Magneto staggered to his feet, low-blowing Red Skull before slamming his elbow into Red yeah. Skull's face with an audible crunch. Get it! Namor leapt into the ring and speared Red Skull through the ropes to land brokenly beside the steps. Namor stood, proclaiming, Imperious! Rex! The crowd <laughs> howled back. Magneto spat on the crumpled body of Red Skull before turning to Namor. Your savagery against Red Skull is to be honored, but don't imagine us to be allies, son of Atlantis. Namor nodded cordially. No, indeed not, but I can appreciate a man who shares my taste in enemies. A quiet but increasingly vocal chant struck up. Hug it out. Hug it out, <laughs> hug it out. Both of them turned to the crowd as one, yelling, no. <laughs> Aww, the crowd whined. Oh, oh, beautiful. I just, I fucking love Namor. I fucking love Magneto. I fucking want Red Skull to die. And I think everything he gets from anybody is so deserved. And so I'm like, yes, I hope that he died in that accident and that he never comes back. But I'm just so proud of them. Punch Nazis. Yes, punch them. No, don't stop at punching them. Fucking throw them off a cliff. <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much for that fanfic, Bob. That was beautiful. Thank you. You could hear me just going like, this is the juiciest oh, shit. Yeah, absolutely. Namor's gonna eat him. When you brought Namor out, the moment I heard the goth cover of Under the Sea, I was like, oh, here we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I cannot thank Hub enough for helping me with this. 
I said, I think Namor's a tweener. Is he? He helped me. And he said, yeah. And I also think that Magneto is and that their shared enemy would absolutely be Red Skull because they're Nazi haters, which is the right side of history. And then also suggested that (laughs) a mix of Under the Sea. And there was another song, but I didn't understand it. So I was like, "Okay, sorry, I didn't get your full vision out there, but I did my best. Appreciate your contributions to the show hub, as always. It is now time for Wrestling History of the Week. Fuck yeah. We are back. It is uh, an episode that ends in zero or five, which means it is time for yet another installment of women's wrestling history, part nine. And if you recall on the last installment of women's wrestling history, we talked about Trish Stratus and Mickey James, their match at WrestleMania 22. Mickey James in particular being sort of the first big female free agent from the independent scene. And then the subsequent retirement of Trish and her longtime foil, Lita. So we now pick up the story from that point. Ask a WWE fan about the women's match at WrestleMania 22, and they will, of course, tell you about Trish Stratus versus Mickey James for the women's championship. But there was another women's match on that card. And while it has less of a lasting impact on wrestling mythology, it was far more instructive as a harbinger of where women's wrestling was about to go. The wrestlers involved were more of the supermodel variety, Tori Wilson and Candice Michelle, and the match was billed as a Playboy pillow fight. Mm. They were feuding over whose Playboy cover was hotter. (laughs) There was a giant bed with Playboy pillows in the middle of the ring, which they slammed each other on and sold like it hurt. And of course, both their evening gowns were ripped off over the course of the match, which ended on a roll-up. Almost more ominous was its placement on the card. Just after the Triple Threat World Heavyweight Championship match between Kurt Angle, Randy Orton, and Rey Mysterio, and just before the main event, a WWE Championship match between John Cena and Triple H. This kind of placement is commonly known as a cool-down match. Ah, yeah. A place for the audience to catch their breath, go to the bathroom, grab another beer in between contests they actually care about because the company has actually built them up with the storyline. <laughs> in the years after WrestleMania 22, the concept of the cooldown match would become synonymous with women's wrestling in WWE as it rapidly became Vince McMahon's last priority. I want to make one thing extremely clear. What happened to the women's division after the retirement of Trish and Lita is in no way the fault of the performers involved. For the most part, the roster from this era was actually pretty good. Mickey James and Victoria were still there. Natalia shows up during this time period. Beth Phoenix is here. Alicia Fox is here. You've got capable wrestlers like Melina and Ashley Massaro and Maurice. Layla and Michelle McCool, collectively known as Lay Cool, were both decent wrestlers and a very entertaining and successful heel act. And when game show NXT happens, we get... AJ Lee and Caitlin and Naomi. And of course, there was the rise of Total Divas and the Bella Twins. It was far from perfect, especially when you consider some of the actual storylines that were involved, including the infamous fat shaming Piggy James storyline. What the fuck? And the extreme expose, which was basically just an overtly obvious male gazy segment that WWE brought in for their ill-fated and ill-conceived reboot of ECW. Mm. But there was far more talent in the division than people tend to remember. That's because, as certain wrestling companies whose names we won't mention are learning today, 
You can have all the talent in the world, but it doesn't matter if you don't invest in them, giving them proper Mm -hmm. amounts of television time and making them a priority in your promotion. This is where looking at WrestleMania can be particularly instructive because it's WWE's big annual show where all the storylines reach their climax and it can tell you exactly what WWE's priorities are. So let's just go through the women's matches that took place at WrestleMania after Trish and Lita retired. So at WrestleMania 23, Melina defended the women's championship against Ashley Massaro in a lumberjack match, which of course they called a lumberjill match. It was three minutes and 40 seconds long <gasps> and wedged between the main event and the Donald Trump match from that WrestleMania. What the fuck? And it was the last time the original women's title would be defended at WrestleMania. WrestleMania 24 featured another Lumberjill match, this one a tag team affair with Massaro and Maria Kanellis taking on Melina and women's champion Beth Phoenix. It was billed as a Playboy Bunny Mania match. The master of ceremonies was Snoop Dogg. What the fuck? who kissed Maria after the match and then left with her and Ashley. They were the baby faces, so you mm. could tell because they left with Snoop Dogg. The match was five minutes long, took place between the WWE Championship match and the famous I'm Sorry, I Love You match from Ric Flair and Shawn Michaels. By WrestleMania 25, there were actually two women's championships in the company as the notorious Divas Championship had been introduced in the summer of 2008 but neither were defended on the show. Instead, there was a Miss WrestleMania Battle Royal that was won by Santino Morella in drag. Oh, God. At WrestleMania 26, there was a 10 Diva Tag Team match, 5-on-5, that I remember nothing about, despite the fact that I was literally in the building for that show. I was there. Holy shit. I couldn't tell you what happened or who won. It was 3 minutes, 20 seconds long. What? For... 10 Divas, and wedged between the WWE Championship match and the World Heavyweight Championship match. By WrestleMania 27, the Women's Championship had been officially retired and merged with the Divas title, which was the only one remaining. Trish Stratus actually came back for a match at the show, although it was a six-person mixed tag in which she teamed up with John Morrison and Jersey Shore star Snooki Polizzi. What the fuck? To take on Dolph Ziggler and Laycool. It was three minutes and 16 seconds long and wedged between the WWE Championship match and a match between Triple H and The Undertaker, and no other women wrestled on the show. WrestleMania 28, still going here, featured another celebrity guest as broadcaster Maria Menonos teamed up with Kelly Kelly to take on Beth Phoenix and Eve Torres. This one actually went more than six minutes and was positioned between another Undertaker Triple H match and the Intercontinental title match. But in case you thought that represented anything of an upswing, WrestleMania 29 had zero matches involving women. Wow. A mixed tag match that would have involved the Bella Twins and the Funkadactyls was reportedly cut for time. Ugh. WrestleMania 30 saw AJ Lee successfully defend the Divas Championship, the first and only time that title was ever defended at WrestleMania, in a one-fall invitational against the entire women's division, which by that point consisted of 14 women, and that's including Emma and Summer Rae, who were brand new to the main roster. 
Despite everything I said about the talent, the women's division had officially fallen apart by 2014. Mickey James, Victoria, Beth Phoenix, Michelle McCool, basically all the wrestlers I mentioned earlier were gone. Mm. Whether or not you were talented in the ring or whether or not you looked like a supermodel, very few women made it out the other side of the Divas era. Natalia, the Bellas, Naomi, Tamina, and Alicia Fox are essentially the entire list. And, of course, the WrestleMania 15-woman invitational single-fall match was about six minutes long, about as long as a tag team match from like two years before, and was wedged in between the main event WWE World Heavyweight Championship match and The Undertaker versus Brock Lesnar. So still that cool-down spot, even in 2014. This is the world we were living in when NXT started taking off in 2014. There hadn't been a women's championship match at WrestleMania in seven years, and there wouldn't be one until 2016, a full decade after Trish and Mickey wrestled at WrestleMania 22. This was what the biggest wrestling company in the world thought of women's wrestling. And in that light, it should be very clear why what was happening in NXT was such a huge deal at the time. We were all ready for some kind of revolution. It took a little while, and we're still in the middle of it, still fighting battles that should have ended a long time ago. But NXT was where it began, and I am very excited to experience the rest of the story alongside Megan Bob and our listeners as we watch it unfold episode by episode until women's wrestling finally starts to get something vaguely resembling what it deserves in WWE. And that's the end of Women's Wrestling History of the Week, at least in terms of the timeline, because we are now up to date, so to speak. However, I hate the idea of leaving something at nine installments without going to ten. <laughs> that just viscerally offends my sensibilities. So we are going to do one more, Bob. One oh, yes? more for episode 65. And I'm going to talk a little bit about what was happening outside of WWE during the Divas era that also, I think, is a really important context as to why Ooh. American women's wrestling experienced a resurgence in 2014, 2015, 2016. So, OK, I'm excited. We're going to give a little bit of additional context to place a bow on that. Thank you. I'm very interested. I'm not sure how that's going to turn into a fic, but I, there's got to be a way. I don't know either. And I'm sorry about that, but you have. No, that's OK. You have like a full month, though. You have like two episodes to do it's it. True. We're not going to hear the fanfic until episode 62 for this one. So, OK, you have some time to figure it out. I didn't want to, like, linger too much on this era. I wanted mm. to kind of burn through it, which is why I covered so much time in this one. Because really, like, that's all you need to say is, like, just read off the WrestleMania matches and it just gets a really good picture of what the women's division had kind of fallen to. But I could have spent a lot more time on any specific year if I had wanted to. There's just a lot of rough stuff in this time period. No, it's really instructive and I appreciate your attention to numbers as well. Welcome back in two episodes for Bob's fanfic, somehow explaining all that nonsense. <laughs> we got to get out of here. But before we can do that, we have to complete the cheap pop quiz. All right. All right, Bob. No points as yet in this round. But this is the segment in which that changes. I can tell. It is. It's very hard to win points in the breakdown. <laughs> Also, these questions are all 
extremely silly. I think you'll enjoy them. Yay! I look forward to seeing what you think about this. So, and I'm also, as you might expect, I'm looking forward to the next episode. <laughs> Question number one. What former United States president and what television host does Byron Saxton compare C.J. Parker to in the same sentence in the next episode? Is it A, Barack Obama and David Letterman? B, Jimmy Carter and Johnny Carson? C, Thomas Jefferson and Jimmy Kimmel? D, Abraham Lincoln and Ellen DeGeneres? Or E, Ronald Reagan and Oprah? Oh, man. I'm sorry. Abraham Lincoln and Ellen DeGeneres. That's (laughs) too goddamn weird. I gotta choose it. All right. Abraham Lincoln choosing the answer D for that one. Question number two. Finish this sentence from Alexa Bliss's pre-match promo prior to her match with Sasha Banks on the next episode. Sasha, the last time we were in the ring, you felt A. The sting from my bling. B. The clash of my flash. C, the razzle of my dazzle. Oh, wow. D, the spunk of my sparkle. Or E, the grit of my glitter. Ooh, I hope it's grit of my glitter. That's the best one. (laughs) If it's spunk of my sparkle, we riot. What do you think? Are you are you still deciding? Oh, no, I'm choosing grit of my glitter. Oh, you're choosing the grit of my glitter. Okay, so your answer for that one is E. And finally, question number three. On the next episode, Jason Jordan is back to being a singles wrestler for a week. What? All right. As he takes on Adam Rose. According to his pre-match promo, why does Jason Jordan want this match? <laughs> oh, no. A, he doesn't. He's actually noticeably indifferent because he wants to be a tag team wrestler. B, he wants to prove to the world that he's more than just a tag team wrestler, even though he's only been a tag team wrestler like three times, maybe. (laughs) C, he disagrees with Adam Rose's lifestyle and thinks people should basically just work out all the time and eat nothing but protein shakes. D, Ty Dillinger bet him $10 that he couldn't beat Adam Rose. (laughs) Oh my god. Or E, Ty Dillinger has been mysteriously injured, and he was last seen partying with the Rosebuds, so Jordan is wrestling Adam Rose as part of his investigation into who attacked his partner. I, I it can't be E, but it, I, I have, that's amazing! <laughs> Fucking Jason Jordan, investigative wrestler? <laughs> ABC, what the fuck are you doing? Commission that now. (laughs) Okay, so ABC, fucking Jason Jordan's gonna wrestle his way (laughs) to the bottom of this crime. Oh my god, no! It's I'm choosing E. I don't. Okay. Oh my god, I feel like I have to write. Is this my next podcast? Shit. All right, E is your choice. No, that would be a terrible idea for a podcast. You can't have, like, wrestling matches in a podcast format. (laughs) There would be very little point, I will say that. Yes, yeah. Oh, God, I want it, though. Shit. He wrestles in a fucking trench coat. (laughs) Can't wait till the next episode. Well, that's about all we got for this episode of The Next Wrestling Fan, Bob. As always, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you, Lucas, for editing this episode. Thank you, Lucas. 
Hey, I know that uh, we said on the last episode that we didn't know how these outros were going to go because Lucas is editing this episode and the next one because of the things happening in my life. Uh, but it turns out that I do have a minute. It turns out that newborns sometimes do sleep a lot. I did not know that because my first child, Rowan, was not much of a sleeper. <laughs> did not like being put down for a nap. Still is a bit of a struggle at, at times. Uh, but as you might have gathered, my second child has now come into the world. Yeah, on the ween, no less. On the ween, he arrived on Halloween, October 31st, 2021. His name is Simon. Uh, he's beautiful and we love him. Yeah. And he is a much better sleeper than Rowan was. So turns out there are times when I can get 20 minutes out of my day to uh, hang out here with Bob and record a little outro for you. So that's what we're doing. Um, honestly, not much to talk about. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still letting y'all marinate. You're marinating in the trios yes. tournament thing. We're not, we're not going to blow our load on that yet. We're marinating a little bit more. Yes. The bonus episode uh, where we cover how to marry a millionaire vampire with Chris Newton as a result of Bob getting 15 points in the Heck cheap yeah. pop quiz is available right now on the main feed. The patrons only bonus episode where we cover Tender Wings of Desire, the KFC romance novel, is upcoming and it that is. will be coming your way in the next couple of weeks. Yes, my goal is to get it out before Thanksgiving. It is not Thanksgiving themed in any way. As you will find out, it, no relation to poultry really of any kind uh, represented True. in this book. <laughs> um, and I just wanted to be transparent really quick about my situation, just to say, like, I'm not trying to be difficult, like, Pulling back the curtain very slightly. Um, my dad has a terminal illness. It fucking sucks. It's I am coping okay. We are doing all the good family things. We're making the best of this. And it is going to be as good as it possibly can be. And that means that mm -hmm. other things like this podcast, it becomes harder to stay on top of things. That's one of the reasons why we haven't had a watch party in a while. Yes. That's just kind of complicating things. But I... This remains important and it's still a thing that it's also, you know, a source of joy in my life. And so we're still putting energy into it. I am still working on that episode because let me tell you, it was fun to record and it is very fun to edit because Miles and I are in a constant state of shock and disbelief, confusion about so many things. I mean, we still don't know the status of sex in this book. Uh, we will never no. know. That's no. That remains a mystery. Much like the 11 secret herbs and spices, how <laughs> sex functions in this novel. When we went to record that episode, I thought it was going to turn out to be really bad. And when we finished recording, I was like, that episode was great. Yeah, so, Miles was like, I don't know. And I was going, Miles, I, yeah. you're a fool. <laughs> and I was. Yeah, uh, just to reiterate, those of you who have subscribed to us at the $20 level because you're amazing people, uh, you have been promised a private watch party with Bob and myself. That is still coming, I promise you. Oh, yeah. It's just between Bob's situation, my situation here with uh, my sons at this point, it's just been a weird time, y'all, and, and really, really appreciate your patience. And if you can just be patient a little while longer, we promise we'll get you those watch parties. We will watch whatever it is you want us to watch within within reason. 
Yeah, I'm very curious. I've heard some things that I, I've heard some good, bad movies. And that's very exciting <laughs> to me because I enjoy garbage. Indeed. All right. Well, on that note. Yeah. Thank you to everybody for that was just like all you, you what you get. This one is just a brief life update on Bob and I. Thanks for listening to it. Thanks for, you know, understanding and for sticking with us as we navigate some uh, some turbulent waters yeah. here in our respective adult lives. Oh, boy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. Uh, once again, listen to the Hard Choices podcast. Oh, if you want to hear us talk about boners, um, listen to Garden Plots with Skeletor. That show's still going on, still going strong. Oh. You can find me over on the Unspoiled podcast. We're currently covering Mistborn. Yeah. Um, for patrons and then uh, yeah we will be back in two weeks with a new episode of the next wrestling fan peace out this episode was kindly produced by lucas brown you can follow his work at Lokified on Twitter or go subscribe to his magnificent podcast, The Math of You, wherever you get your podcasts. With logo design by Claire Mulcairin. Special thanks to Rafael Medina for our theme song, Learn Buckle. You can follow his creative work on Twitter at EarthMofo, spelled the French way. Also thanks to Kevin McLeod for additional music and stingers, which are licensed under Creative Commons. Find his work at incompetech.filmmusic.io. We're on Twitter and Facebook as The Next Wrestling Fan and in the group The Smash Fiction Fan Faction. You can also follow Miles on Twitter at MJ Schneiderman and Megan Bob at Megan Bobness. The Next Wrestling Fan is made possible by our supporters on Patreon. If you'd like to help us make this show possible, Go to patreon.com slash NXT wrestling fan and join our fabulous stable of contributors. They're the best. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, feel free to email us at NXT wrestling fan at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you in two weeks. Yes, exactly. I know. No, but I do want to say in my personal life, we have definitely done no DQ laundry in the recent past because <laughs> what else are you going to do of a weekend in these oh, pandemic man. times? So we're like, man, it's time for no DQ cleaning off these dishes. I had to do no DQ bathroom cleaning last week. And let me tell you, that, that shit got... That shit got down and dirty. That was not that was not for the faint of heart. Oh man, you power bombed some cleaner. <laughs> <laughs>